Welcome to Momentum Church. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to take a second, just um, last week with it being Easter, I want to take a second and thank all of our volunteers that served to make it an incredible, incredible weekend. So can we just thank our volunteers? If you are one of those volunteers, you can just kind of pat yourself on the back. You made it happen last week. It was incredible. So this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks at seeing the impossible made possible in your lives. And so this week, I'm going to be looking at seeing the impossible made possible in your future. That's where we're headed that this week. Next week, we'll be looking at seeing the impossible made possible in your world. I don't want you to miss next week, all right? And then finally, on Mother's Day, Amy and I, Pastor Amy Wiseman, I love you, my girl. We're going to be teaching together, seeing the impossible made possible in your relationships. We've been married 28 years this summer, and it was God that made the possible happen. Amen? <laughs> Only the Lord, huh, baby? But, um, but God's been good. And so that's where we're headed the next few weeks, and then we'll get back into the book of John, John chapter 8. And so we've got a lot of stuff happening the next few weeks, and I want you to stand up to read the Word of God. This is a short scripture, popular scripture, actually my favorite scripture in the Bible. I really believe it is, and I'll say that about 25, 30 different scriptures, but I really feel this is my favorite, favorite. And so we're going to be looking at seeing your dreams and goals come to pass, and this is what the Word says when it looks at looking at the future, when it looks at what God has in store, what God has planned. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him, God, who is able to do more. One translation says exceedingly, abundantly. I love that. That just sounds like a lot, doesn't it? How many want some exceedingly, abundantly more in your life? Amen? Yeah, it just sounds, oh, sounds good. That's what I want. But I love it that it's a partnership. It doesn't say that you just imagine this and it happens. You can tell it's him. It's God that is able to do it. But there's a partnership in this scripture. It says whatever you ask, whatever you imagine. I want to use the word dream for imagine. What you're dreaming, what you're expecting, your anticipation of the future. And when that lines up with God and you line that up with action, guess what? It will come to pass. And I love it. It's according to the power of God at work in your life. And I don't believe it's just God at work in your life to create ministry, God at work in your life to create spiritual things. I think as a believer, everything you do is spiritual. And so your business, your family, your future dreams, all those things, everything you do is spiritual. And God wants us to think I don't want to say big. I'm going to get there here in a second. He wants us to think in the future and act in the now, if that makes sense. You know, he wants us to dream his dreams, his heart for your life, and then do everything you can to walk that out as his power enables. Father, in the name of Jesus, just bless our time together as we look at, at your word and stir us today to walk out the life you desire for us. In Jesus' name, everybody give a big amen. amen. Yeah, go ahead and have your seats, guys. And so, yeah, there's a quote by D.L. Moody. He said it this way, if God is your partner, make your plans big. Isn't that good? 
The, the, the university president of the college I went to, Oral Roberts, on his desk, he always had this little plaque. It said, make no small plans here. Ooh, I love that. And I believe that you can have that kind of mindset in your own lives, that God has something for you and that you shouldn't make small plans, that you should dream big and not just empty dreams. We're going to get to that here in a second, because I do, I want you to dream big. I mean, there's people in this room right now, you've been sitting on business ideas and that for whatever reason, it's just too big. You've been sitting on maybe a book that needs to be authored. You know, I was so proud of, of Tristan writing that poetry book. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about online. Man, I was so proud of her. That was inside of her. And she's written poems since she was a little girl. And now she's got a book to show for it, you know? There came a point when she started to dream big. And I got to apply myself to what God is placing in me. It may be for you a change in your health or a change in your finances, there's people in this room right now, at my age, we're starting to think retirement. There's others in the room right now, you're in retirement. But you're starting to dream. How many, how many middle-agers, raise your hand, you're starting to think, what does retirement look like? What do I need to do? How many, if you're like me, a little behind the eight ball? Yeah, ministry will do that to you. <laughs> but you do, you start to dream, what's this look like? What's that look like, you know? Yeah, it, it could be, <laughs> um, for you, you want to start a ministry of some sort, and God's birthed in you. Maybe you haven't taken the steps yet, but there's something. Someday, I am going to do this, 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 this. I had a friend years ago. I'm not going to say what his dream was because people watch online, but always had this big ministry dream, always had this. Still to this day, 20 years later, has not walked into one piece of that. And here's the thing. It's a pipe dream. Do you know why people have pipe dreams? Dreams... I want you to dream big, all right? But the reason why people have pipe dreams is because you can't fail in a pipe dream. You can't fail in a, I'm gonna. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. It's when you start to live it out that you might fail. It's when you start to live it out that you need the power of God that works in you to bring this thing to pass. Well, that sounds like work. Yes, it does. But man, it's powerful because God might be loosing a ministry in you and you got to take the next step. It may be you have this heart, I want to change the world. And God's put something in you, but you've got to take the next step. And so, you know, I want to sit here and bring, preach, like dream big to you, but that's not what I'm here to do today, all right? I'm not here to kind of just stir faith. This teaching today isn't about that. It's not to stir you to believe for more in life. No, no, we are going to get granular today. All right, I want to give you some practical things and give you some tools today to begin seeing the impossible made possible in your future. Everybody say future. That's where we're headed, but I want to go back first to being kids. How many of you had a good childhood? Raise your hand. Some of you, not so much. Tough childhood. But it doesn't matter what your childhood was like. When you were a kid, kids are all about thinking they can accomplish the impossible. Dad, I'm going to do this. No, no, you're not. I, I want you to, but I don't have time for the hospital today. I just Have you ever had those thoughts? I, as a parent, I really have. I've looked at my schedule and like, no, no, get out of that tree. The whole thought was, I want you climbing, but I don't have time for a hospital visit today. Tomorrow, break your arm. Today, not today, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the kids, they're always thinking about the impossible. And as children, we thought different. We just did. As children, we dreamed bigger. Yeah, we did. How many of you are going to be an astronaut? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We dreamed bigger. And, and, and as children, guess what? We played all the time. Yeah, we did. And we were loud. How many got some loud children? They dream big. Yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're always dreaming. They, they, they think different, you know? Brains aren't fully developed yet. That's all right. That's all right. And they're loud as they play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so fully engaged in the moment that they don't realize what's going on around them. I know like with Maverick, I'm constantly teaching Maverick, but he got to read the room. He's so engaged in the moment. He's playing. He's just so engaged. He doesn't see, hear, nothing else is going on but what he's engaged with. That's how kids are. They're single-minded of what they're doing right now. The house could be burning down, maybe because they caused it. The house could be burning down, but all they can think about is what they're doing. They're engaged. They're playing. I just call it play. It's just being engaged in the moment. It's powerful. And I want to talk about that today. And, and within that, what happens is things start to be developed and created as a kid. And inspiration comes. And, and Maverick, he was carving this this week. So I watched him. And he's carving this stick. And I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? He goes, oh, I'm making something. This is how kids are. They dream big. They think different. And they stay fully engaged in play, what they're doing at the time. And so everybody say, dream big. Dream say, think different. Dream say, stay engaged. Dream what do you think this is? It sure is. That's a fishing pole. My, my wrist will get really tired fishing with this. But that's a fishing pole. And so Maverick was out there, and he was carving this up, and then he's tying this on. And next thing you know, he's got a lure over here, you know. And we have lures, we have all this stuff. We got fishing poles in the, in the, in the, the garage. It doesn't matter. He was going to think different. He was going to dream big. And he was going to stay engaged. And we've got here a little magnet weight. And we've got a safety pin. No, a paper clip hook. I love this. This inspires me. This is awesome. Right? But that's how kids are. They think different. <laughs> they dream big. They stay engaged. They're not afraid to try things out. And so when I'm watching Mac this week, I'm like, I, I want to keep with that kind of mindset. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and carve me, myself a fishing pole, but I want to have that thought that I can think different, dream big, and stay engaged in the things of my life that God's wanting to do to shape my future. You know, this may look like a fishing pole to you, but it's an accomplishment to Mac. He made something, and because of that one step forward, there'll be a challenge someday he'll think of to make something else, and next thing you know, he will cure cancer. Come on, somebody. Something, I mean, but those little things when you're thinking different, you're dreaming big, and you are staying engaged, they create platforms that life can grow upon. They create little victories that down the road, a future can be built upon as you walk out your dreams. The problem is, as we get older, we get lost in the mundane, don't we? Do-do-do, this is life. Hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go. And there's nothing wrong with work. But it's just that idea, we get lost in the mundane. We get hit with the messy. There's people in this room right now going through some serious messy. There's people in this room that years ago, you went through divorce, and you thought, there's no way. My future is gone now. Everything I hoped for is over, and it was messy. I mean, I've told a lot of people this through the years. Listen, God will not hold your future hostage because of the will of another person. Let that sit on you. That boss that's done you wrong, oh, this is going to change everything. Nope, nope. 
The will of that boss, God will not hold your future hostage because of the will of another person. That man that left you, that woman that left you, no, 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 God will not hold your future. Your future, those dreams, those aspirations, those things you're working toward, God will not hold that hostage because of the will of another person. Amen? Amen. And so with that, life gets messy, and we start to lose sight of the miraculous. We start to lose sight of that, 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 that the fishing pole, like, oh, anything's possible. We lose sight of that, and guess what? We get a little quieter. Yeah. We stop thinking different. We stop dreaming bigger. We stop staying in play or staying engaged in the moment, and we get a little quieter. The mundane and the mess of life, if you're honest with yourself, at times it has a way of knocking the shout out of you. Yeah. How many have the shout knocked out of them before? You just get a little quieter. You stop dreaming. Yeah, that's what happens. But God wants us to think different, dream big, and stay engaged. Stay in a sense of, I, I'm just going to call it play, a sense of, oh, God, what are you up to next? Oh, this is a tough day. This is hard. What are you up to next? And so I want us to turn our Bibles to 1 Kings 19, because God has big plans for a man by the name of Elisha. You know his predecessor, Elijah the prophet. He was the one that faced all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And even with the victory, he went into hiding. Even with the victory, he retreated because of the mess. And he got himself away. And God began to speak to him that he was going to bring forth another prophet that would be his successor. And that Elijah would pass the mantle of his ministry over to this other fella, to, to Elisha. But right now, Elisha, as we find him in 1 Kings 19, verse 19, he's just living kind of mundane. All right? And I'm not saying, because I'm going to use a farmer illustration later today that's positive. So I'm not saying being a farmer isn't living up to goals. It is. But let me just read how this farmer was, okay? You ready for this? this he was the, his daddy was the owner of the farm, but watch this. He was just a guy plowing a, a field. He's lost in the mundane. Verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was the 12th. He wasn't even the lead guy. Imagine the guy out front cutting the way. He is the 12th yoke of oxen back. That just sounds to me like, do-do-do, I'm just looking at ox butts all day long. 11 sets of ox rear ends. That's my life. And this is how he's, he's living. It goes on, Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. People would know at that time that people would have a mantle. They would have a cloak of some sort. And a prophet would be identified by his cloak. And people had heard of the miracles and heard of Elijah and the signs and wonders that God did in and through him. And now Elijah comes walking through the field and he sees this man, 12 ox yokes back, and he walks by and he throws his cloak on him, his mantle. In other words, he's given him an opportunity to accept the future, an opportunity to step away from the mundane, an opportunity to walk into the unknown, an opportunity to embrace the ministry, the call that would be upon him. And so then in 1 Kings 19, 16, we just saw how God had spoke to Elijah about Elisha, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And so God gives Elijah a word, and now that word is coming to pass in this moment, and it is Elisha's choice to pick up the mantle for the future or to stay in the mundane. 
It's Elisha's choice in this moment. And I want to tell you, God has called you to walk in more in life. He has. I don't know what that looks like, that more for you, but God is always stretching us. He stretches us because if he doesn't, we don't need him. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly whatever we ask or think or imagine or dream according to his power that works in us. Some of us don't need his power to work in us because we're satisfied right where we are. No, God wants you to dream. He wants you to think about that next thing. He wants you to go after that next. Maybe it's the betterment of your marriage, whatever it might be. Maybe it's the increase of, of, of giving. Maybe God wants to draw more out of you in that way, whatever it might be. But that idea, it takes the Holy Spirit inside, empowering. It takes God bringing it to pass. And man, sometimes we just don't want to challenge ourselves like that. But I want to tell you, there's more for you than what you have on or in your hands right now. There is. There's more for you. I can't tell you what that more is. Before we're finished today, I hope God will begin to reveal some things for you, and I hope we'll give you some steps to see those things played out. When it comes to that idea of him plowing, for us, our plow is that ordinary life, and that could be anything. It could be that present job that's not in line with God, what God has called you to do, Nothing wrong with job, but God's telling you there's something else for you to stretch out. But this is security. This is safe. But you can tell in your, holy, in your heart, the Holy Spirit is saying to step out, to go toward this, to go back to education, back to school, whatever it might be, to develop an area where you, where you have a passion for, but maybe you feel like I don't have the understanding for yet, and God's challenging you. Maybe for you, the plow is the passionless and purposeless approach you take toward the current job you have, where God has called you to remain. But you go at it without passion. You go at it without purpose. You go at it with the idea of just making a dime, making a dime. Not with the idea of, God, show me how I can bring prosperity in my department that will honor this business and honor my boss and the owner and with that, God will bring promotion. I'm like, Lord, I'm not just going to be satisfied pushing buttons. And, and, and No, show me that edge here. Let me be faithful. Let me not just be pushing the plow. Maybe for you, the plow is the old small paradigms of thought about what God wants to do in and through your life. I know God does it for other people, but for me, the paradigm I live in looks like this. I love hearing testimonies, but... They grate at my heart because God does it for everybody else but me. That's a paradigm that needs to be shifted, amen? Maybe it's a life that's a little too safe, a lifestyle that's a little too comfortable and tends to not need God or personal growth to bring things to pass. It's easier just riding it out. Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't want you just riding it out for 85 years 90 years, and then going to see him. No, no, he wants you to have more, experience more, do more for him, experience more of him, and walk in more from him. Yes, he does. We say that often around here. But it starts in you. He partners. But we saw in that passage, he's able to do what we think or dream. And that's important for us to be doing that. And so God invites Elisha to walk into what's next for his life. He gives him this invitation to step out into ministry with all its tensions and frustrations. Elisha would know at this time about Elijah being, being chased to be killed. There are prophets right now that are, that are prophets who are um, um, godly prophets that are in hiding right now. 
Because the people of the day were still in idolatry and were still lashing out against the idols, against the prophets who would promote Jehovah, that would promote God. And so he would know that this invitation is coming to him. And so in verse 20, and he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And when I was younger, I read that and kind of like, wait a second, what have I done to you? I've given you this opportunity. You got to go say bye to your mom and daddy. And I've realized as I've gotten older, no, no, what he was saying was, this is such a dear price. This is going to cost you everything. This will cost your relationships. This will cost your finances. This will cost what you have seen as normal all these years. And you think about it. Go back. Do what you got to do. But you're right. I'm putting something really great upon you. You can't be the same from this day forward. And he challenges them. And obviously, there's that invitation for us to step into more in life as well. And God gives that to us. And if you're like me, every Thanksgiving. As soon as Thanksgiving's over, my brain starts going, okay, January 1st, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start writing is one that I've always wanted to do, and I always put it off. I doubt myself in it. Done a few little things, but I'm going to start this year. This is going to be a different year. And so January 1st comes, and you get moving into those New Year's resolutions, and now it's almost May. And you're thinking, you know what? I'll make those changes next year. Summer's coming. I don't want to start anything during the summer. You know, well, then it's fall. Well, now kids are back in school. I don't want to make any shifts or changes now. Well, now it's November, Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Oh, that's right. You're calling me to something else. I'll do that January 1st. And man, we lose our joy. We get into the mundane and the messy, and we stop, stop remembering the miraculous that God can do anything God desires to do as we give our lives and our plans and our actions to him. And so what happens is we get stuck in a life like this. And we get stuck because of two reasons, all right? The first reason that we get stuck is we don't think big enough. So I do want to challenge you to think big, okay? Think big. Big in your marriage. Big in your ministry. Big in your finances. Big in your business. Think Big. God is amazing. Amen? He's powerful. He's almighty. Us as Christ followers, we should be people that are always thinking big. And so we think big. First Kings 19.21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen. You ready for this? This is what Elisha did. And he sacrificed them. And he boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Elisha, in that moment, began to think big. Big enough that his whole life as he knew it, he burned in a field. Big enough, his whole life as he knew it, he let it go to pursue the next thing that God had for him. We have got to think big when it comes to our future. Second thing, though, is we don't, we, we, we don't start small enough. So it sounds like a contradiction, but I want you to start big or think big, but I want you to start small. I want you to dream bigger, but I also want to challenge you to make small, purposeful steps daily to see God's vision for your life come to pass. Think small. As the story goes along with Elisha, you'll see that that the nation of Israel, with the king Jehoram, they had not went after God. Jehoram's daddy, you might remember him, was Ahab. His mama, such a Jezebel. 
That was her name, actually. <laughs> that's where we get it. So that's your mom and daddy. And now Jehoram is king of Israel, and he hasn't changed much. He did tear down the altars after Elijah, that whole thing. That, the altars, he never rebuilt those to the Baal, the, the gods of Baal. But he still was practicing. They were still moving in idolatry. And there was a nation that owed Ahab money called Moab. And Moab, they were supposed to bring 100,000 sheep and 100,000 wool from rams to the kingdom, to the king of Israel. And long story short, Ahab dies. Now it's Jehoram and, and the king of the Moabites. I, I think his name was Misha, if I remember right. The king of the Moabites, he ends up reneging on his deal with the king. And he doesn't bring those things. And so Jehoram decides he's going to go after those things. He gets a hold of the king of Judah at the time, Jehoshaphat. And so Jehoshaphat and him, they make a decision. They're going to go through the land of Edom, and they're going to go and attack the Moabites and get the stuff they're supposed to have that was theirs. So the king of the Edomites, he gets involved too. So now you've got three kings. All their men, all their armies are going to go and, and attack Moab. They're going to go and deal with this issue. And the Moabites are on the move as well. And we find the story comes to a place where there is no water for the animals. There is no water for the people, for the soldiers. And there's nervousness because we're just going to end up dying out here in this wilderness. We're not going to have the strength to conquer the Moabites. So this is what's going on. It sounds like a mess, right? They're facing something messy. And Elisha's right in the middle of this thing as well because they're getting ready to call on him. But what had happened was the people of Israel, they had lost the sight of the miraculous. They lost the sight of the God of their youth. Walking in mundanity, walking in the mess, losing the miraculous. And this is where they're at. And so look at 2 Kings 3.13. Because Elisha, they call upon him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Which I love the Bible because the Bible can be snarky. Amen? Yeah. I love that. He's like, why are you calling on me? Go to the prophets you've been calling on, the prophets of Baal, basically, the ones that were too weak to bring fire, that, that one. Go to those prophets, and they implore him a little bit longer, and I love, I love his response. I'm not doing this for you, Jehoram. I'm not doing this for you. Um, um, I, I can't remember the name of the king of, of the Edomites. Um, they, they might not be listed. I can't remember, but, but I'm not doing this for you, but because Jehoshaphat is here, there's something I see in Jehoshaphat. I, I'll go ahead and I'll do this. And here's what happened. He said, bring me a musician. I love it. He's going to have church with God. He's going to get a word from the Lord. And he's like, bring me a musician. You wonder why we lead with worship? It's that, that, that even the prophet was like, bring me a musician. And so Ali shows up, begins to sing, and then it happened. When the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord, and he will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. And so you look at life, 
as you're looking for your future outcome, and you say, I can't, I don't have the ability, I don't have the resources, I don't have the understanding, I, I don't have the favor, I don't, I don't. That, that's the situation. There's no rain in sight. There's nothing but a challenge to make something small in preparation for the rain. Remember I said, I want you, number one, to dream big, but I want you to engage in small things Verse 16, chapter 3 of 2 Kings. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. What in the world? God, we need water and there's no rain. Dig the ditches. This doesn't seem like this is going to make a difference. Dig the ditches. And so Elisha, he tells them the word of the Lord to start digging ditches. And they begin to dig ditches. Robert Anton Wilson said it this way, every fact of science was once damned. Every invention was considered impossible. Every discovery was a nervous shock to someone's orthodoxy. Every artistic innovation was denounced as fraud and folly. We would own no more, know no more, and be no more than those early humans if it were not for the rebellious, the recalcitrant, or the defiant, and the intrinsic the single-minded, steadfast, tenacious people, we would be no more further. But, but scientifically, I can tell there's nothing that shows there's going to be rain. Well, you know what? You can do one plus one equals two in your life. You can look at your situation and go, I got a, I got a, I got a one times zero here. I've got a challenge, but times everything I have to put to it is zero. It's going to equal zero. That's true. But be tenacious. That's true. Do the small thing. Dig the ditch. When you have a dream worth pursuing, you will face challenges worth overcoming. In that moment, it was worth seeing the rain. And so let's dig some ditches. Let's get things ready. When the rain comes, let's get it ready to receive the rain. And they started digging. Do you know all through scripture, you'll see this, that human action prepares the way for supernatural blessing? Well, I'm just waiting on God. Well, guess what? God's just waiting on you. It's just, all the time, it's something comes. Even Adam and Eve, he told them, go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. He could have created another man, another woman, and another man, another woman. No, no, he gave it to Adam and Eve and said, y'all, do something about this. And they got busy doing something about it. Praise the Lord. Did, did Adam and Eve ever go, did, that, did they ever have a date, Adam and Eve? No, no, they had an apple, but not a date. I'm sorry, I just, I heard that joke this week. It's not in the notes. The spirit of the Lord brought that dad joke out of me right now. They didn't have an app, a date, they had an apple, I love that. <laughs> now watch this. 2 Kings 3.20, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the lamb was filled with the water. Yeah. So important for us to have our action. God will bring the rain, but you have to dig the ditches. And so I don't know what God is telling you about your future, but I will tell you if you'll start digging, God will start bringing forth the rain to fill the ditches that you dig. Can I say it this way? As you hope for your future and you get frustrated that it's not one step closer, can I just say it real strong and real bold? Stop blaming God for your inaction. Stop it. Stop it. 
I wish this was different. I wish my future, I wish, what did you do today to make a difference? What ditch did you start digging today? We've got to think different. We've got to dream bigger. And we got to play all the time or be engaged in the moment every day. Everybody say that with me. Think different. Dream bigger. Stay engaged. I'm going to write that. Think different. Say think different. Different. Dream bigger. Say dream bigger. And this is the important one here. Stay engaged. Say stay engaged. Engage. Stay engaged. Yeah. So we're going to do a little something this morning. We're just going to play a little around a little bit. How many got a napkin when you came in? Yeah, and a pen. This is going to be different. Never done this before. All right. Here in a second, we're going to put a worship video up that we produced a couple years ago, and it's going to play. And Amy and I have done this for years. We'll, we'll just be having dinner at a restaurant and start thinking and start dreaming about life and the future. And we'll just start jotting stuff down, thoughts, ideas, quotes, whatever comes to mind. We'll just start writing it down. And, um, and it's kind of gotten, through the years, it's kind of started now being more just on our, our notes. But, but that idea of, of, of being conscious about the future, God, what do you want from us? And we start to do some napkin dreaming, all right? And so what I want us to do today is I want you to put on your napkin these four words. I want you to put on the napkin faith, family, and give yourself some space with these two, all right? You could do two on each side if you wanted. Um, finances and future. Faith, family, finances, and future. And we're going to take, it's about a four and a half, five minute worship song. Just do this contemplatively before the Lord. And I want you just to dream. What is God placing in my heart for my faith? How does he want me to grow this year? What is God placing in my heart for my finances? What dreams do I have about my future? What dreams do I have about my family? You know, what does that look like? And we're going to take some time in worshipful imagination. Behold, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond whatever you think or imagine according to his power that works in us. So I want you to take a few minutes as we go to this worship song and just take some time in some spirit-led dreaming, spirit-led imagination, amen? There's nothing you can write on there that's wrong. Just put it on there. You'll have time to intercede and pray more about the specifics as you go forth from this day. But go ahead and begin now. Few people, not many. Um, I would encourage you guys with this to make it something to where, in prayerful consideration with the Lord, that you would do this about once a month. Just revisit it, Lord. Where am I at with this, and so on. And um, and I'm, I just would encourage you to keep that before you. The Bible says to make the vision plain, to write it upon tablets. Why? It says so that you might be able to run. It's in Habakkuk. I don't have the, the, the passage in my head, but that you might be able to run with that vision. Obviously, it's not just dreaming about whatever you want to dream. I pray that as you are doing that, I could sense the Spirit of the Lord directing me on a few things. You know, I pray that as you do that, everything you do, every decision you make, every category you dream about is spiritual. Well, pastor, I put on there that I wanted a boat. Does that, is that spiritual? It can be. What are you going to do with that boat? I know there's people here in church that have boats out here at the lake, and man, they've had small groups out on their boat. I mean, what, 
I'm, so I'm, not, I'm just saying every little thing about us as Christ followers is spiritual. And the reason why we want to light, write it down so we can run with it is because it's not just empty faith. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. And so we need to have that long-term outlook. I'm going to give you a few practical things before we finish today. That long-term outlook, but we need to have short-term urgency. Write that down. Short-term urgency with a long-term outlook. This is where I'm going to. This is what I need to do today to see that happen. There's a law called Gates' Law. And Bill Gates, he said it this way. He said, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. They call it Gates' Law. I want to bring it down to a little smaller time frame. A year and 10 years sounds like a lot. Most people overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can do in a month. Get get that on paper, what you're going to do. And there's a time right now that we live in that has instant gratification. And even with that, instant gratification doesn't seem fast enough. It goes so slow. It's like, like we want stuff and we want it right now. No, no. Short-term urgency, long-term urgency. Outlook. That long-term view invites us to step back from the endless hustle of our busy lives and question whether we are on the right path or not. It's okay that things are going slow, but what am I doing today? It's okay I have a long-term outlook, but what am I doing today with short-term urgency? A man that wrote a book, Matthew Kelly, the book's called The Long View. He said, taking the long view teaches us to be patient, and all of life is better for a patient person. Patience will pay immeasurable dividends in your career, marriage, parenting, health, and well-being, personal finances, and in your spiritual journey. And so, yes, we want to be patient. That has that long-term outlook. But we want to have a sense of daily urgency. What are we going to do today? I don't know of a group of people that exemplify this principle more than farmers. I grew up in a county called Richland, Richland County, in a town called Man's Field. Trust me, that area knows a lot about farming, okay? And, and a farmer, man, he has that. They, farmers think different. They just do. They dream big, and they stay engaged every day. No matter what comes at them, this is what we got to do today. We stay engaged. And, and with it, they plow, they plant They water, they harvest. Plow, plant, water, harvest. Plow, plant, water, harvest. Plow, plant, water, harvest. Ross, that sounds like a lot of work. Yes, it does. And for us to see our dreams to come to pass, it takes a lot of work. You have to think different, dream bigger, and stay engaged every single day. It takes a lot of work. One illustration I saw where little things add up to big things, I think it's so neat, a Chinese peasant came to the emperor and pitched this idea to the emperor because he owed the emperor. And so he told the emperor, give me a grain of rice and let's take, the emperor had a chessboard in front of him, and let's put a grain of rice on this spot and then every spot after double that grain of rice, except for the first one. It starts with one. And so there's 64. So 63 times it's being doubled. And what was amazing that thought was that the, the small things This man, by the time of this is being over, he's not going to have enough to even feed his family when it comes to the rice. But what happened in doing small things over and over and over, it grew to the amount that that the emperor couldn't even pay that to the man. It would not be there, all right? Because the emperor would have to have given this man 18 million trillion grains of rice 
to just grow half of that amount, he would have needed to drain the oceans, convert every bit of land on the planet into rice fields, and the emperor would only have about half of what he would need to give. That's how fast that would expound. And I know that's hypothetical, but just think of rice. And so what I want to challenge you every day, put a little rice on the board. Amen? Whatever that looks like, you're staying engaged. Dream big, think different, stay engaged. Put a little rice on the board. And I'm going to give you two more questions as we close, to be thinking about every single day as you're going towards seeing these things take place in your life. So two vital questions to ask daily if you're going to see your dreams come first. And here's the first one. In light of my future dreams, some of those things that's on that paper, what is the wise thing for me to do today? Let that sit on you. I think I put that on the screen. Yeah. What is the wise thing? In light of these dreams, I have these goals I'm working toward. In light of these dreams that I believe God has given me and I'm pursuing, and as I pursue, God will show you where things need to shift. But in light of these, what am I doing today that's wise? What's a wise choice? And guess what? Choices are just that, choices. Now you'll have a decision to make between this and that. I think I've taught you guys before the word decide, decide. You think of the word suicide to kill oneself homicide to kill someone else. The word decide literally means to kill off. So you have a choice and you have to decide, I have to kill this off so that I can walk in this. What am I going to decide? What is the wise choice, the wise decision? What's going to die in my time? What's going to die in my actions? What's going to die in my mental exercises? What's going to die? What has to die so I can walk in the wise choice? And guess what? When you have that answer, that's what's going to propel you forward. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So what wise choice, what wise thing are you going to do today in light of your dreams, your future? The second thing is about integrity and honesty and transparency with yourself, all right? So here's what the second question is. What do you, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. So I'm saying, what does Ross Wiseman, you're saying your name, what do you not want me to know about you? Hmm. In light of my dreams and my future, what do you not want me to know about you? It might be, I want to get healthier, but I don't, I, yesterday I ate this. It might be, you're trying to walk in purity. But yesterday, you watched this. It might be that you're trying to pursue something, and your excuse is, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. We hear that all the time. No, no. We have the time for anything we prioritize. We have the time for anything that we deem important. I just think your future is important enough for you to make time for it. And so you look at yourself, and you say, what don't I want me to know about me? Well, yesterday, you spent six hours binge-watching Netflix. That was relaxing, but how often do you do that? And does that get you to your goal? And if not, what needs to change? Being honest with yourself, that's integrity. During the busy seasons of Amy and I's side business, I've had people ask, how do you do all that you have to do with family and church and your side business? How do you guys do all that? And I look at them, I say, do you watch Netflix? And they say, yes. I go, I don't. Now, I do, but not in those busy times because I'm not going to steal from my family and I'm not going to steal from my church. Amen? But that's my hobby, and I have no problem making time for it. Does that make sense? 
And so you have to be honest with yourself when you're being held back because that's the thing. What do you not want me to know about you when you have that answer and that thing is standing in the way of your goal? That's what's holding you back. And that verse we just read, it starts with look carefully then how you walk. So now you're being wise in your choices, but you're also looking carefully at what might be holding you back and you're being honest with yourself, personal integrity. Amen? And so I want you guys just to hear it one more time. When your children and you're full of the miraculous, you're full of what could happen, dreams and aspirations, it's because you dream different, you dream, or you think different, you dream bigger, and you play all the time. You're engaged in that moment all the time. And so do that every day. Look at the things on the napkin. Ask God, what's the wise choice for me to do today in light of these things? What am I not wanting to tell myself? What am I not wanting to be honest with that's holding me back? And Lord, help me to continue to think because I know when I dream and I think and I walk in your power, I know that you can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I ever thought. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to think different, dream bigger, and stay engaged. I ask, Lord God, that as we do that, we would fill your empowering Holy Spirit, helping us accomplish the goals, not that we want, but the goals you're placing deep in our hearts for our faith, our family, our finances, and our future. In Jesus' name, give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.